This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see all of you here. Praise the Lord. It's a fun time worshiping with you. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you here today. Bless all of you. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand up real high, and we're going to get in the Word of God. Our prayers again today for you to experience and encounter God, and I believe that's going to happen. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. So we're on our series here a couple of weeks of what we call GPS. Last week it was giving. We're going to be on prayer for a couple of weeks. That's this week and next. And so, and then the last week is servanthood. But when you look at prayer in, in the book of James chapter 4 verse 2, James said this, You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And so when I, I read that verse, the thought becomes this. How many things have, have you or myself, have we forfeited because we just wouldn't ask? And so today we're going to talk on several different areas of prayer. I believe this is going to help you incredibly, okay? I believe it's going to be really good. So we begin in 1 Timothy 2. Verse number 8, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. What a a novel idea. I desire that men pray everywhere. Work, a home, wherever you're at. And then he says, lifting up holy hands. And and when you think about this lifting up holy hands, the, the hands were spread to heaven like this. As an act of surrender. I I surrender to you, Father God. And I don't know if you've ever been to a church that lifts hands in the services, but it's biblical. And this is one of the reasons we do it. But also, this becomes a posture of our prayer. Man, I come before God and I raise holy hands to Him. I'm I'm in surrender to you, Father. i got to have you, Father God. I need you. And then he goes on to say, Without wrath or without anger, the message says, not shaking angry fists at our enemies. And I believe he's saying there, man, i, I got to get unforgiveness out of my heart. And he ends the last verse and he says, with doubt, without questioning or reasoning toward God. And so it gives us a little insight of, uh, on his desire for us to pray. Now, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and when you get to Matthew 6, he gives three wins in the book of, of Matthew 6. The first one is Matthew 6, 1, when you give. Not if, but when you give. The second one was when you pray, and that's what we're going to be in starting in verse 5. And the last one is when you uh, uh, fast. That's interesting to me. Every one of those he says when. And you'll see the phrase here, when you pray, on several occasions in this passage. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, this is the Lord Jesus talking, you shall not be like the hypocrites or the pretenders. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And what he's talking about here is 
when people want to be viewed as, as holy. And they pray as self-righteous acts. It's more about a program than from the heart. And it's interesting, he says, the ones that do that, that you look for the applause of man, you found your reward. It's not from God, it's from man. So he's given us some guidelines here, and then he jumps to verse 6. But when you pray, and the word pray right there, it, it suggests it's, it's progressive. It, it starts out as a noun, which is a prayer to God or to make a, a vow to God, and then it goes to a verb, an, an invocation, or to actually invite God. And Lord, i got to have you. And so he said, when you pray. Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. Now, what he's getting over to here on this is he says, pray to the Father. My shift goes from me to him. And again, this is biblical guidelines. He said, pray to the Father. We also know this in John 14. He says that anything you do, you must do in the name of Jesus. And so we are to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, when you look at what the Lord Jesus was talking about, he, he wasn't against public prayer. But what he's dealing with here is, is my prayer, is it from the heart or is it hypocritical? And he said, what the Father says in secret, he will reward you openly. The message says this. You will begin to sense his grace. What a promise. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. And so Jesus here, he's, he's encouraging persistent prayer. And one of the reasons he's against the repetition of prayer it's, it's not heartfelt. It's not sincere. And we're going to get over that later on in this morning. And so now we get over to, to Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, which is better stated, this is the Lord's Prayer. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, he wants this to be a blueprint for us. And so he starts out in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven. He's talking about a personal intimacy. As if we would go to our earthly father, our father, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and he gets on the precept of worship here. Woo, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. The establishment of God's rule, not only in the age to come, but God wants to move right here on earth right now. Give us this day our daily bread, our physical need. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now let me read that again. And forgive me my debts just as I forgive people who have debts against me. Now when you look at what he's saying here, prayer for forgiveness for me and you is qualified only by my readiness to forgive what other people have done to me. Now let me ask you something on that verse right there. How are you doing? 
How are you doing at forgiving other people? Mark eleven twenty five 25 is a great reference for that. And then he ends in verse 13 and says, Do not lead us into temptation. Lord, grace me not to yield to temptation. And deliver me from the evil one. For rescue us from evil strongholds. But yours or for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And he gets over there and says, God's rule's forever. God's rule's not going to change. It is forever. Now remember, this is a blueprint. This is a guideline for prayer right here that the Lord Jesus gave us. So I begin to look at these areas of prayer. And I said, Lord, I, I want a couple passages that will really help every one of us that are here today. Go with me to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. You're starting from the beginning. You'll go through the Samuels, the Kings, and then you'll get into 1 Chronicles 4. Now let me tell you where we're going with this. The first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles are the genealogy, the family tree, or the bloodlines of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so, nine chapters over and over and over and over and over. It's just word after word after word after word. But when you come into chapter 4, it's the bloodline of the, the, the tribe of Judah. And so if we started reading, which we're not, because you've been talking about butchering these names. There's some crazy names in there. I mean, there's some crazy names. Hazel L. Pony, that's one of them. I.D. Bash, that's another. Those aren't in there. So you, you read down through there, and, and all of a sudden, two verses, it, it changes direction completely. Now, what I'm talking about, look at verse 9. 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9. Now Jabez was more honorable or man of honor than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. Now we must remember this with, with Jewish names. They didn't name their children names just because it sounded cool. When, when they named a, a child a name, it had biblical reason. There was stuff established to that name. It was part of their identity and their character. And so this woman has this boy named Jabez. The Amplified says where it says pain, it says he was a sorrow maker. The literal Greek translation says will cause pain. So every time Jabez would be walking to school or somewhere out in the community and someone said, hey, Jabez, you know what they were literally saying? Hey, you who's going to cause pain. Now, how would you like to go through your life with that negative potential attached to you? So here's what I begin to see off of this verse. There's many of us in this room that we have been named or have had names that have tried to follow us. That are associated with negative or negative potential. Let me give you an illustration. He's a liar. You're a thief. You're a drunk. 
And the list would continue and continue and continue. So when I begin to look at this, here's the thought. What if God wanted to change that? What if God wanted to change the things that have tried to define your life up to this moment? Can that happen? Is that possible? Many of you are associated with generational curses that have tried to define you. So now here's this young man named Jabez whose name is You'll Cause Pain. So look what he does in verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. And when you see there he called on the God, he cried out to God. And how did he do that? Saying, saying, or better yet, praying. And so what he does here, guys, he interceded for God's intervention. The word interceded means the power of prayer, but it also means this. He said, I'm going to meet with God, and I'm going to plead with God. And so he goes before God. Now watch his request here. And the first thing he says is, Lord, that you would bless me indeed. That word bless means to impart supernatural favor. And some of you may say, God wouldn't want to do that for me. Yeah, he would. That you would bless me indeed. That you would enlarge my territory. That you would expand my opportunities and my impact for your namesake. Look what he goes on next. And that your hand would be with me. My dependence is upon you, Father God, your greatness. And that you would keep me from evil and that I might not cause any pain. And so what he does in the last two verses, he asks God to renounce the evil in his life and renounce the pain that's associated with his name or his identity. And when it talks about the pain there, it was to release him from spiritual and physical destruction. Now here's what's interesting to this verse. If you were to look at that, five times in, in this passage, verse number 10, he references me or myself. He asked God to do something for him. Now watch how this verse ends. So God granted him what he asked him. God gave him the petitions that he asked. Now here I go back to this and again. How many of us in here have faced similar dilemmas in, in the same areas he have? I've caused pain. I need your hand to be upon. I need you to bless me. But we've never gone to God. I've never gone to God to ask in prayer. And so the question, why haven't we? Well, pastor, I'm not worthy. No, every one of us are worthy. Not because of your standards and not because of what you did, but because what Jesus did for every one of us. God's no respecter of persons. That's Acts 10, 34. God loves every one of us. So as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, if the great Jehovah, the God who created every one of us, answered this guy named Jabez's prayer, what about you and me? So you begin to see here a, a prayer God loves to answer. And so in these genealogies, they're going over and over and over and over. And all of a sudden, in, in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10, it's like the Holy Spirit comes to a sudden stop. 
And he stops right here. And I have to ask myself why. And I believe the reason why is because Jabez's prayer demonstrates something that God wants to do for all of humanity. Have you gone to God and asked him? Whew. God will set you free. God will change your name. God will put a mark on you that you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Now turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, and if you're going back that way, you're going to go through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Ezekiel, and then you'll come into Daniel. And the reason I'm going into this is because this man named Daniel was experiencing incredible uh, pressures and, and circumstances and, and weariness. And in this passage, they, they set him up that if anybody worships any other god besides this ungodly king, they're going to throw him in the lion's den. And so when I look at what it talks about here, prayer is an acquired discipline. What do you mean by that? There's not one of us in this room that when we came on this planet and were born, Woo, I'm going to pray the rest of my life. It just, it's just, just flows out of me. A prayer is an acquired. It, it's like your appetite. You, you acquire a certain taste for certain things. How many of you in here really acquire a taste for coffee? Let me ask you that. Did you have that when you were a little baby? Your mama put that in your bottle? I hope not. So again, coffee is an acquired taste. You begin to get where you like. It's the same with prayer. The more I get around it and associate with God in that, in that loving and respectful way to say, Oh, Father God, I come before. Man, I, I begin to sense, Whoo, I got to pray. Now listen to me. Prayer is not a punishment. I, I see people that almost view prayer as a punishment. God, we got to pray today. And that's not a pun, that's a blessing, okay? That we can sit here and commune with the God who created everything. And that he doesn't hang up on us. Daniel 6, now I want you to get this, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And the writing was, you worship anybody other than this king, you're going to get thrown to the lion's den. He knew this. And so what does he do? He goes through the upper room with his windows wide open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and he prayed. He opens the windows. And he kneels on his knees. And I want you to get this because, again, this is another posture of prayer. This is another form of surrender to say, Father God, I, I come before you. And it said he did it three times a day, evening, morning, and noon. Now watch the end of this. Not only did he pray, he gave thanks before his God. He gave thanks. For, see, it was rooted not only in prayer, but in worship. And the last of this verse says, As was his custom since early days, Something had been established in this man named Daniel since early days. And I believe this, prayer was Daniel's lifeline to God. 
And when I look at the prayer of Daniel, he was disciplined. But if you look at the word of Christian, the word Christian is rooted in this discipline. To be a Christian, I must become disciplined. So it gives you an insight around this guy named Daniel. He was very disciplined. And even in this set setting right here, you know what he was saying? You can cut me. You can dice me, you can slice me, you can beat me up, you can throw me in the lion's den, but I will not compromise on this area. You begin to see a persistence on the inside of him. Turn a couple pages to chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. Now, let, let me highlight this because I cannot read the whole chapter. I encourage you, this is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. But he's in a great dilemma again. Donning circumstances. In this passage here, he's doing two things. He's fasting and he's praying. And he's fasting and praying because he's saying, God, I got to hear from you. I got to hear from you. I need some answers from you. So we pick up Daniel 10, verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me. Which made me tremble. Now that, that hand that touched him was visitation from an angel. This is what this is. And he made me tremble on my knees, on the palm of my hands. Again, right there in verse 10. You get another picture of posture of prayer. Says he's this way, right here. He's bowed before God on his hands and knees. And he's praying. When's the last time we've done that? When's the last time has our posture and prayer been, Father God, i got to have you. On my knees, on the palms of my hands. I mean, this was a guy who says, Father God, i got to have you. Verse 11. And the angel said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. This guy's prayers got heaven's attention. And I believe when our prayers are sincere and from our heart, they'll get heaven's attention. Verse 12. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and you humble yourself before your God, listen to this, your words were heard and I've become because of your words. I have come because of your prayers. Now, listen real close when he said, from the very first day that you started praying, this angel said, your prayers were heard. Now I'm going to read into this just a little bit, okay? This is the 21st day. This is 21 days later. But this angel said, from the very first day you started praying, I heard your words. But just because he heard their word, an answer hadn't come. And so guess what Daniel does? He keeps praying. He says, I'm I've got to have a word from God. I've got to have instruction. And see, because we live in what we call the microwave society, when that bell doesn't ring in 45 seconds, we get mad. Bing! And when God doesn't answer our prayer, we quit. 
But when I begin to see this guy persevere, this guy said, man, I'm not letting go. I'm standing. And so why was his prayer withheld 21 days? Why wasn't there an answer? This may give you an answer today. Look at verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now to read inside of that, the prince of Persia, that's a devil. That's a demon. That is a reference of Ephesians 6.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is what this was. So this angel informs him. He says, listen, this devil had tried to oppose me. He had tried to stand against me. So where was the breakthrough? Look what happens here. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. So guess what? There may be demonic entities that are opposing your prayers. And guess what? When you read into this, it doesn't say that this archangel Michael came immediately. And so many of us, we quit. We give up. God doesn't answer my prayers. But what would happen if we stuck with it? And we had that same persistence, that same eye of the tiger, that same bulldog faith that Daniel had and said, you know what, I'm biting down on this and I'm not letting go until God answers. And so I, I look at these two men and I think, what have we forfeited because one, we don't pray or we quit. I'm not preaching. I'm telling you guys, that, that writes me, man. That defines me. I think, golly, Father God. And one of the reasons I share this is because I know many of you have been fasting and praying. Hang on, okay? You hang on by incredible faith. Now, I'm going to give you two words that you're going to see here in the next passage. Go with me to the book of James chapter 5. That will root you, okay? Two words in these chapters. James 5, way back there in the back of the New Testament. Right after Hebrews. James chapter 5. And we'll define him there in just a second. James 5, verse 13. You ready? This is good telling you, this will set you free if you'll let it. Verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Is any among you hurting? Let him pray. That's a novel idea. Now think about this. This probably describes every one of us in here. When we're hurting or we're suffering, we'll tell everybody in the world. You'll tell your, your, your spouse. You'll call your friends and tell them how bad it is. You'll call your boss. Anybody who, you'll go on Facebook and, oh, life is deadly. It's horrible. That hurt, Pastor. We'll call on anybody and everybody but God. Now, the reason I say this right here, 
What would happen if we as, as the New Testament believers, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus, what would happen if we would just obey the Bible? <laughs> Excuse me for laughing. Every time I read that, I think to myself. So literally, you know what he's saying? Our first reflex should be prayer. That should be it. That should be our, our, our instant motive. I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray just to make it today. I say we pray. Some of you knew who that is. You young ones don't have a clue. That is MC Hammer 55 years ago. No, 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 not quite that old. Mom, who did he say? <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm, I'm a little dated. Next thing is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him. Who's the him? The one that's sick. Let him call on the elders of the church. And the elders of the church are are your mature believers. The ones who say, we believe in laying hands on the sick. We believe for praying for you. So he said, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, if we anoint you with oil, I want you to understand. Don't think this is a crazy church, a bunch of crazy maddocks, a bunch of fruit loops. What are they doing? We're being biblical. He said, anoint them with oil and pray over them in the name of Jesus. This is biblical, and this is what he's talking about. And again, to me, you know what he's telling us? Just obey the Bible. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith, that is the prayer of faith, will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Why would we do that? That you may be healed. Now, if I look at verse 13, and I'm going to hone in this pretty good right here. I'm to confess my sin to one another. And then he said, pray for one another. Don't get them out of order. He said, confess it first and then pray. And for me to... To go before Chris right here and confess my sin? Are, are you kidding me? I, I'm, I'm to go before him and, and confess my sin, my, my fails, my slips, my sin, the activities I've done in my life? Pastor, we can't do that. That would make me vulnerable. No, you know what that does to us? For me to have to go to Chris and say, this is what I've done in my life. It shreds pride and it rips off the robe of self-righteousness and it literally obeys the Bible. So if, if this was one of the prescriptions God gave us to say confess our sin to one another and pray for one another, how many of us have done that lately? Oh, some of you, bless you, bless you. But again, I, I looked in this area of prayer and God said, man, get back to this. This is, 
This is fundamental Christianity. I'm not going to tell you the guy's name. But he was in the first service. I don't know, number of months back, six months. The second service ended and people were leaving and people were leaving. And I, I remember being right here and he came walking back in those doors. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, I, I got to talk to you. And I said, okay. And the minute he began to talk, I, I sensed the brokenness within not only his words, but his heart. And he said, I messed up. I messed up. And when I, I look back at this, and I talked to him after the first service. And we talked to him, and he said I could use his name, but I'm not going to. But it says right here that you may be healed. And I looked at him and I said, that's what happened. But the healing that needed to take place wasn't a physical healing. It wasn't an emotional healing. It was a relational healing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I saw that firsthand with you. The word of God will work if we just obey it. Keep reading. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It benefits much. So one of the words I want to give you today is the word fervent right there. The word fervent means to stretch. It means to strive. It means passionate, but it also means hot. Not that I'm hot looking. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's calling those things to be not as though they are. And I believe there's a fire within me. The, the effective hot intense prayer of the righteous the man who comes to pray and, and he comes with business he said Lord I, I mean business I gotta have a move from you and he said that man who prays that way his prayers avail much verse 17 Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours he was a great man but, but he was subject to the same feelings the same weaknesses and the same experiences we are but look what it says about him Yet he prayed earnestly. That word earnestly means active. It means diligently. It means sincere. So guess what? When Elijah prayed, he didn't give up. He didn't give up. And look what it says here. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced fruit. The miracle producing power of prayer that doesn't just touch a, a, a certain one. This one, it's for every one of us, guys. Every one of us can tap into this. So I began to read this and study this. And one of the highlights of, of my week is I like to come in here and say, okay, Father God, I'm going to preach your word this week. But what do you want to do at the altar calls? These are your altars. These aren't my altars. And so I begin to sense several things with the Lord. Number one, we've got sin in our life. Again, I, I, I'm not throwing any stone at people. I'm not going to pick up a stone and throw it at you. are stupid. What? We've all sinned. We're all sinners, saved by grace. 
So you can ease yourself with that. That's like the guy who came to me and said, Pastor, I've sinned. I didn't get him in a headlock and sling around. I, I'd had to get a couple of our ushers to do that anyhow. I'm not very big. You've got unforgiveness in your heart. But I want to get over on a couple more. What if you're here today and, and right now your life is, is defined by negative potential? That it, it may be occurring right now. Or you begin to sense this, this is the direction I'm moving in. Man, as, as God moved in Jabez's life, he wants to move in your life. He, he wants to change those things. And some of you may have stuff, had stuff spoken to you since you were a little boy. You're stupid. You're an idiot. You'll never amount to nothing. Let me tell you something. That's a lie. God doesn't say that about us. God doesn't create us wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully and then pun on us. God's got plans for every one of us. And the problem when the negative potential comes, we get into trouble because we start believing it. And it's that's you today. God wants to change that. He doesn't want your life being defined by pain and evil. And then the second, maybe there's three or four, I don't know, I'll keep going here. Some of you are like Daniel. You've been standing and praying and standing and praying. Many of you in this room for wayward children. Now, I don't have to ask for hands. You stand and you've prayed and you stand. And at times you said, Father God, are you hearing me? Let me tell you, he's hearing you, okay? And God wants me to reinforce within you. He's hearing your prayer. Don't quit, okay? And if you're growing weary today, come down here and let us lay hands on you. Because we're going to pray a spirit of persistence and diligence. And that bulldog faith, you say, you know what? I'm not quitting. And that may be for more of you than just family members. And then the last one, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have our prayer team come down here and be on the sides. And guess what? If you're here today and you've got sin, you march down here boldly and you look them in the eye and say, I've blown it. I've blown it. And remember what he said? You confess your sin to one another and you pray for one another. And you'll be healed. I stand on that promise. But not because I said it. God said that. Why don't you stand on your feet here today. It's a good day guys. This, this is a good day. I'm telling you right now. This is a good day. Some of you may need to, to be laid hands on. That, that fight that was in Daniel. Let that come upon you okay. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.